Hey Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. Drew, I'm excited, man. Are you excited? I am pumped. Why are we pumped? Because it's podcast time, but also <laughs> we're getting ready to go to Israel on Sunday, yeah. five o'clock, baby. We PM, are going to be PM. in the air. And so we're shooting a series uh, coming in. <laughs> I didn't silence my phone. Oh, Listeners, you. it's my wife. It is my wife. Can we bring my wife in on the on the podcast yeah, here? Let's see how this goes. Let's see how this Hey, babe, you're on the podcast. So I forgot to silence my phone. And can you say something to our listeners? Uh, how's it going? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm going to have to call you back. Everybody, I love my beautiful wife, and I will call you back, honey. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> sorry about that. I'm going to silence my phone now. This is you what sure happens. Are. <laughs> Connor's mad at me, the producer. He's giving me the evil eye. Not really. He's smiling. So, yes, I am stoked for Israel. Guess what? Weirdly enough, must be a, a God thing, right? Ashley's coming with me, so maybe that's why I'm stoked. Ooh, so her go. first time in Israel, mm. so she's really excited to, to join the journey. But we're bringing a series called Unfiltered Jesus on 3-8. It starts on-site stuff, so it's going to be great. And explain the confusing element of the fact that we're saying that we're going to Israel, but we're actually already there. What? So how? okay, what's going on right now? <laughs> yeah, when you guys listen to this podcast, we will actually be in Israel. So we're pre-recording on Thursday. Um, and so uh, we're gearing up for this journey and it's going to be awesome. And one thing that's really cool, Aaron, you want to tell them what we're going to be doing in Israel? Yeah, the next two podcast releases will actually be from Israel and related to what we're doing in Israel. So for um, weeks two and three of the series God is, we're not going to be discussing directly all the sermon content. Instead, we're going to be kind of focusing in on behind the scenes, what we're doing in Israel, what's coming in this series. We're hoping to even highlight some of the people on our trip and why they're there and what everybody's role is. We just, you know, kind of want to help you enter the new experience a little bit, see um, how we do what we do. Um, who knows? I think, I think it can be fun. And I think we'll, we just like to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be a great trip. Um, you know, one thing we're trying to do too, as well on the podcast is, is uh, give people a glimpse into why we do and how effective that your ministry and your services, our mission is more and better. And one way we become better disciples is just seeing the effectiveness of how God is using our church. And we want to share more stories of just uh, more and better moments. And Aaron, you were telling us uh, a story in staff meeting. If you don't know this, one of our staff meetings, we just celebrate all the wins that happen in, in the week of our church. And you shared a story that I would love for our listeners to hear. Yeah, thanks. This is a story from the Henrietta campus. So, um, We'll hopefully be able to gather stories from all of our campuses as time goes on. I don't want them to be all, you know, from Rochester or Henrietta, but um, this one was a pretty cool one. This one actually comes from our kids ministry. And I got this text from our kids ministry director. Her name is Rachel. She sent me a photo of this. And the backstory is there's a kid, his name is Henry. Um, he's a fifth grader, either fourth or fifth grader, actually. I'm not 100% sure. And in fourth and fifth grade for our high point environments, if they've been in high point since kindergarten, I think sometimes as they get into the upper ages, it can feel like, oh, this is for kids. You know, mm -hmm. they start to feel a little bit like they're um, too old for that environment, which I get. There's a lot of developmental differences between a five-year-old and a 10-year-old. But um, so they can start to feel that way. And, and Rachel was recognizing that, our kids ministry director, and she sat those guys down from that grade and said, hey, look, I get this. Like, I recognize that you might not feel like this is for you, but how can we engage you more? Like, what mm -hmm. could we do to bring you in closer? 
And what, some of the things that they actually brainstormed was like, what if we got involved in serving? Like, what if we were not just here to participate, but to contribute? And so they got involved in some like simple tech and light roles and they, you know, can press buttons and make the screen show things and the lights go on and stuff. So anyway, there was one of this, this kid named Henry who Rachel said, admittedly, she wasn't sure that he was all in on this. Like by just by reading his body language and responses, she wasn't sure that he was loving it. But then he had to write an assignment for school, uh, which was the best present I ever gave. This was around the holidays. And this is what he wrote. And so I'm going to read his letter in its entirety because I think it's awesome. And we've got a future Pulitzer Prize winner here. People. <laughs> um, here's what he wrote. He said, I got the tech and lights job, I cried out. I was so excited that I actually got these jobs. I was excited because I always wanted a job like the other Henry. There's Mm. another Henry in his grade who does this job too. I always wanted a job like the other Henry because he's really smart. I haven't done the lights job yet, but I will soon. Oh, and this job is for church. I'm the kid who was mature enough to do two jobs, tech and lights. Um, for my lights job, I have to change the color and turn on and off the lights. And when I finally get the tech job, I'll say, ready, lights, action. My tech job <laughs> only happens when I need to sub for Henry. Sometimes I get confused, but at least I can be saved by the other teachers. This is the best present I've ever given because I can help the church people without them having to do all of the work. Henry. Come on, Henry, man. <laughs> you are awesome. Hopefully that story... Just encourages you. I love that because I love it's his buy-in. It's him recognizing that there is a role to play. Like his giftedness, he feels significant and intentional and like he has a purpose. Mm -hmm. He's obviously not using purpose language because he's, you know, a fourth or fifth grader, but that's what he's expressing is I feel like I'm a part of something bigger. And that's what we all want to experience in serving, not just you know, whatever job, like, oh, the lights turn on at the right time. We want to feel like we're part of something. Yeah. And that's what Henry gets. And I think that's what anybody who chooses to engage in a serving role here at Northridge has the opportunity to do is not just connect with whoever the other Henry is, <laughs> but also um, to feel like you're accomplishing something great and God is using your giftedness yeah. to make a difference. So now church for him is the best gift he's ever given, not a boring place that he doesn't look forward to. No doubt. And it will build a foundation in him from 10 years old to his adulthood life. So and way so, to be, Henry. Shout out to Rachel as well and our kids' ministry. You guys are awesome. But hey, uh, Sunday's coming, Aaron. It's Thursday. And mm-hmm. so I just heard your pre-preach. If you don't know, we do a pre-preach, kind of a practice preach before Sunday, get some feedback. Um, I'm excited for Sunday, Aaron. Um, even though you know we're going to be gearing up to go to Israel, I got some some questions I really want to kind of zoom in from Sunday's content. And, Bring it on. You know, the first thing you talked about was, you know, these no Testament gods. Um, you talked about like a bodyguard God, the boyfriend God, on-demand God, anti-science, gap, and guilt God. And I was curious as, as you were going through those, I could relate to some of those, um, pretty closely. Um, which of that list do you feel like you resonate most with? The two I resonate most with are, um, guilt God and boyfriend God. And what I mean by that is having grown up in church and even in a ministry context, my dad was a pastor. I think a couple things can happen. If you've always grown up with rules associated with God, you can begin to think that that's what he's all about. So I genuinely believe that my parents did a great job of showing grace and talking about how God is full of grace and all those kinds of things. But I just think it's really hard to not internalize the idea that like, I'm bad and I have to make myself good for God to to love me. I think that's part of human nature. Now that's what the gospel is trying to undo. And so I don't blame my church experience for that, but I definitely still to this day as an adult, I've 
am fighting the tendency to try to make God love me and that he's just sitting in heaven, you know, staring at me, inducing guilt. So I definitely feel that. And then the boyfriend one is, again, having grown up in church and seeing a lot of people seemingly have a connection with God that I don't always feel like I have. It can be like, well, I... I mean, I can manufacture that or I can fake that or should I try to manufacture? Is that even right? And I can start to believe that I'm missing this major, massive component that everybody else seems to have. Um, and these really intense worship experiences or this devotional life that blows their mind and they're crying about all these things they're reading in the scriptures. And I'm just like, oh, I don't feel that. So I can buy into the boyfriend thing and the guilt thing for sure. So how have those, those two things or have they... Uh, affected your relationship with God at all? Do you feel like there's been seasons where they have actually gotten the way of you experiencing intimacy with God? For sure on the guilt front, um, I, it wasn't until college that I think it finally, the impact of the gospel on my everyday life really finally set in. I, I would say, I know I was a Christ follower and placed my faith in him at a young age, but really in college is when that, the fact that God loves me because of Christ settled in and I began to undo guilt God. So mm. I would say all of my life up until college was dominated in a sense by some views of guilt God. And even since then, it's been defined by the process of removing the implications of feeling like I have to prove myself to God. Mm. So definitely. And then the boyfriend God is, that's just the everyday grind of feeling like, do I feel like a Christian today? What, you know, what does that mean? Yeah. But what about you? Uh, I am gap God all day long. It's nice. the, I mean, obviously I'm the exact opposite as you go figure. Right. <laughs> but I feel the gap. Like I'm the guy who pulls into the, you know, the parking lot and I get the first space and I'm like, God, you are so good. Like you <laughs> yes. parted the red sea for me. Here it is. And you know, I am the over spiritualized, you know, sure. God, it, and God is in everything, but right. you know, it's like you said, Sunday, you know, we often, <laughs> We way, we way overthink it. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm so guilty of that. So that would be probably me and on demand. Like I, you know, I think everybody struggles oh, with yeah. this one. Like who <laughs> doesn't say, want it? When I say those are my two, I don't mean I don't struggle with the right. others. And so, you know, I, I want God to do what I want now. And, you know, he's my, I've heard it another way, vending machine God. Yes. Like you push the buttons and it gets mm -hmm. you what you want. But God actually sometimes does work like a vending machine where, you know, you push in the button and it hangs there and he's like, you have to wait for it. And you like shake the machine. You're like, get out of here. That's kind of... Uh, and security comes and it gets messy. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but what's interesting about these, these no Testament gods, I actually think they have the problem of those things. Actually, this it's really re goes back to the source we have hmm. for our God view. You know, the word that you made up that yeah. <laughs> I will always make fun of you for. Um, but of those four, so you listed, you know, people's opinions, circumstances that we go through, half truths, and, you know, ki kids thought that that's, that leads into adulthood. What do you think is the most common bad source that people use to define God? Definitely, I would say it depends on where they, how they spent their childhood. I don't think that we're brainwashed into believing in God, but I do think our formative years are huge when it comes to this. It's, that's, it's, it's very uncommon for people to have a childhood and an adult that are massively different in terms of their view of God, um, which is why we love like stories of adult, you know, adults coming to faith in Christ, because oftentimes that represents a massive change of their whole mm. life experience to that point. So how you spent your childhood, I think, will impact which source is most common to you. And um, I think the half-truths and kid-adult 
dynamic are two that play together a lot in that, where, of course, in Sunday school or growing up in church or whatever, you learn that God is love and you learn that God is good and you learn that God loves you and that God wants to be your friend forever and all these things that like, that's all true. But the problem is we then take things that we heard as a child, we draw implications from them that we define and then we allow them to influence our thinking. And so the most common, I think, for people who grew up in church are going to be childhood answers that, you know, follow them into grown up faith. And then um, just the idea that I've, I've got a half truth. Yes, it's true, but I've, I've actually created some implications that were never intended. Um, but I, I say that, but obviously all four of them are big sources sure. for everybody. Our circumstances are huge. People are huge. In fact, you know, people are the resource of our, of our, uh, half truths, you know, whatever. So it's like they all, all of these tie together. Yeah. But. You know, and I think about this, I, I, I think you're, you're, you're right on the head. I think for Christians, it is that what I learned as a kid, I never took the time to actually develop my thought as I grew. Right. The, the, the thought stayed and I grew. And so like that thought never grew with me and I never researched it. Uh, almost lazy Christianity. But I think sure. for a lot of people, it is circumstances. Um, man, we view everything through the lens of our circumstances. Right. My job, you know, I feel good about my job when the numbers are up. I feel terrible about my job. It's all cir- circumstance related. I yeah. think that might be the biggest one because even like the half truths or the things that we learn as a kid, what changes our view is how we interact with life and what That's life That's so true, brings. actually, yeah. And so like, it's almost like our circumstances is number one, and then all those things combined to kind of filter through that lens. You can live on a half-truth and a childhood answer until the diagnosis comes. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's like, you can kind of fake it till you make it until life gets hard. That's a really good point. But, um, so speaking of that though, like, so I had, I, I felt a, a little bit of attention in, in one of the, this bad sources because it's weird because you talked about people's opinions, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like there was something in my gut that was like, Ugh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I agree with that because one, wh- why don't we even go to church if, cause aren't we, li- aren't people just coming and hearing hopefully the truth of God, but sometimes my opinion interpretation of the truth of God. And so it's mm-hmm. like, well, that feels weird. I'm actually listening. People are going to be listening to you talk on Sunday and you're like, this is a bad source. So how do we, I'm telling you that I'm a bad source. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you, how do we navigate that? Because you also said it's a good thing too, but how do we know when people's opinions are a good source? When is it, when is it right to listen to people's opinions and when it's not obviously when they're right and when they're not wrong, but (laughs) flesh it out a little bit. Yeah. That's definitely a tension that I even felt as I was saying it. Uh, so there's, there's a few components I think we need to keep in mind. Like almost everything in life, there's two sides to this. So yes, people are good. And yes, getting information this important secondhand can be a bad idea. Um, the first thing I would think of is that God has given us people for our growth. So the church is designed to help each other grow. So one of the things that we know is from Ephesians that God has given people the spiritual gift of teaching And that's as a gift to the church. Literally, they're described as a gift. So the church is supposed to receive the teaching of people that God has gifted as a gift from God to understand him better. So when I'm saying that you're getting your opinion secondhand, I don't mean never listen to another person. Only you can interpret scripture for you. I definitely think that we 
God literally set it up so that we should listen to teachers. Mm -hmm. So when we come to hear from you each week, somebody gifted to teach God's word and put in a position to do that, we should be expectant that we will hear about God and from God, from his word. Um, And then I guess another component of that is people are also a little bit of a checks and balances system. You know, the more people that are involved in biblical interpretation, the better, because that makes sure that we're not just riding on one person's interpretation. We shouldn't ride on one person's interpretation as a pastor. We also shouldn't ride on our own single interpretation of scripture as an individual saying like, I'm not going to listen to anybody because it's just what I think, you know, (laughs) this is a group project. And so that's important. And then one story that I think from Acts that illustrates this is the Bereans. And this can, if you grew up in church, this is a familiar story, but the Bereans, when Paul came to teach to them, he was teaching the scriptures, explaining how Jesus was the Messiah. And the Bereans said that Acts describes them as people who searched the scriptures daily to see if what he said was true. And I think that's something that we should do. Like that's not taking someone's opinion just at face value saying, I respect you. I appreciate you. Thank you for bringing us a new truth. But if you don't mind, I'm going to check your receipts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm going to verify that what we got going on here accords exactly. with God's word. And you can, you can get as excited as you want. You can preach all you want. But as long as I don't feel like it lines up with God's word, I'm going to be skeptical and I'm going to ask questions. And that's the standard that pastors are held to, um, is that we need to teach God's word in a way that accords with how it should be accurately interpreted. So I guess I want to turn it back on you and say, dude, you're the guy who has to actually carry that burden week to week. What does that feel like? I, you know, I'm telling people not to listen to opinions, but then saying, but you're actually a vehicle that God uses. So what's that like? I think it's, it's terrifying, honestly. Uh, I mean, the responsibility of teaching God's word from week to week is something that one, and I don't, I don't exaggerate this when I say it, sometimes it keeps me up at night, mm-hmm. depending on the topic and, and how hard it is. Um, and I think, you know, the one reason why you go to a church is hopefully because you trust the the pastors or the communicator that they're going to accurately teach God's word. Right. So yeah, I, I think people should understand how much work and how much energy goes in and how much study goes in into just one message. Mm-hmm. I mean, I sit around a table with uh, another pastor. We write messages together. I preach it to a group of pastors because it's that important that we get it right. We're not leading people astray. But I also think it's like you said, I, I can do all that and I'm going to do all that. I'm going to spend the time to do that. And I'm going to carry that mantle of like, man, I, I this is God's word. This yeah, is, we can trust you to do that. Yes, no doubt. exactly. But I also think there's an onus on people to take what I say and you're right, check the receipts, evaluate it through God's word, make sure it aligns up with the truth uh, of what's in the Bible, like letting God speak for himself. Like he's used me as an instrument, but he's also got to use you as well as an, as the audience to, to grow your faith. And I think this is where that whole, you know, bad source, the childhood um, thought, yeah. I think a lot of people have just banked on people's opinions and haven't checked them. And I think when you check them, you actually grow from that childhood faith. I think God is so amazing of how he uses teachers in our lives to drive us to his word, to validate what we say. And what that does is it takes our childhood faith and it, creates an adulthood faith that mm-hmm. is growing deeper and deeper. And I think those those are like the checks and balances that God uses to actually grow us together uh, as the body of Christ. I love that. And lean in a little bit more to that. Tell me like who's, whose responsibility is all this? If I'm supposed to have a God view, do I, do I passively receive that? Do I actively pursue it? Is it both? Whose job is this? I, I think it's... It, 
It's a weird question to answer because I think there's a both and here. I think it is the church's responsibility to help people grow in their faith. I think, you know, that's why we have messages on Sunday. And so I I, I take the responsibility of, I got to do what I can do as a lead pastor, as a, a communicator of God's word to bring God's word. But I think at the end of the day, it's on an individual to truly seek God. God doesn't say, draw near to the church mm. and the church will draw near to you and God will come on the journey. No, yeah. God says to the individual, you, not the entire church, he mm-hmm. says, you draw near to me mm-hmm. and I'll meet you there. Mm-hmm. And I think as individuals, we have to own that. And my spiritual growth, yes, the church is a piece of that. And the church is going to come alongside you and give you every resource that you can have to grow spiritually. But at the end of the day, that's going to land on your plate. Much like parenting, the church is going to come alongside. The school that your kids go to is going to help them learn how to do math. But at the end of the day, you got to walk alongside them and help them do the homework. Yep. <laughs> Same thing with our helping our kids develop a biblical worldview. And then from you know God's perspective to us as his kids... We, he gives us, we should avail of every resource we have, but we need to own it personally. I love that. I think that's so key, not easy and, but, but very important. Okay. So another tension I had, Aaron, and I didn't have a lot of tensions, just like, you know, 14 or 15. So we'll get to all of them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, one of your major points at the end was you said, let God speak for himself. And one, I think that's so true. Like, this is why God gave us the Bible. It's a beautiful revelation for all of us to, to dig into. But man, what if I'm a new believer and I'm reading the Bible and let's be honest, one, the Bible is very hard to read. And sometimes when we let the Bible speak for itself, we can interpret it <laughs> inaccurately very true. and create a bad God view. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I did what I was supposed to. I read the Bible and, and it... I feel like the Bible led me astray. Like, tell me how someone can go on that proper journey uh, to let God speak for themselves without going the wrong direction in that journey. That's really good and really hard to answer. Um, <laughs> let me let me. Now think you know of- how I feel every single week when you're like, I'm I'm a little skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I'm saying let God speak for Himself. I guess the first layer that I mean about that is what you've already described of personal responsibility saying that's, that's us as individuals saying, I, uh, I assume that God wants to be known and that it's my responsibility to pursue knowing him. So I'm going to let him speak for himself. I'm going to engage with this process. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to do what I need to do to know God and to build a proper view of him. And then I'm going to give it my best honest shot at engaging with God's Mm. word. And I'm not, my first instinct is not going to be to say, oh, what did I hear when I was five? Or what did they say on the news? Or what did this, you know, Justin Bieber song say or whatever? Like, I'm going to go to the source. But then I think we need to have the humility and the honesty to very quickly acknowledge that much of the Bible is hard to interpret and hard to understand. And so to have the humility and honesty to say right away, I'm going to engage. I'm going to let God speak for himself. I'm going to go right to his word. And then the moment something is not clear, 
I'm going to do what God has done, which is lean into the church and lean into the people of God yeah. for answers. So good. And the people of God might not be people you ever meet. It could be great authors who have written books, yep. how to study the Bible, um, or a commentary on this or that book, or a, a random pastor from somewhere who did a series on it that you want to listen to, whatever. All of that is God's people helping God's people to let God speak for himself, because any good resource is one that is ultimately just unveiling the teaching of scriptures. Mm. Now, the scriptures aren't always themselves perfectly clear and easy to understand, but God's people have done a good job through his spirit of making them clear. And so anytime any resource or person is ultimately just revealing the truth of scripture, that's a good resource to lean into. And you are letting God speak for himself. He's just using an indirect resource. And as time goes on, the the less and less you'll have to just, I have no idea. And then I, I guess I'll just say one final piece. The Bible is hard to understand, no doubt. You know, between, uh, between Connor, you and me, there are one, two, three, four, five, six Bible degrees in this room. Um, and we still have lots of questions. Sure. You know what I mean? Yep. So, but I do want to say the Bible is sometimes not as complicated as we make it. You can know a lot of what you need to know about God in a very short period of time just by reading you know, the gospels in one epistle. It's not quite as bad as we sometimes make it. I get it. You can get lost somewhere in Jeremiah and in numbers, it's confusing. And Revelation sounds like a horror film. And like, mm-hmm. I understand that. But the basic truths about who God is, you can piece them together. And it, it's we don't need to make it like super, super hard. Right. Okay. Real practically before we wind down. Um, to, Thank I, you. <laughs> AKA, nice words, Aaron, but <laughs> help us out here. So... I'm I'm an audience listener. I'm listening and you're like, okay, cool. I want to do what you said Sunday where I want to draw near to God. Where should I start? In the Bible. So what book of the Bible should I start at? And give me a book that I should read. Mm. I think you should read the Gospel of John. Boom. I would have said that too. Ooh. Oh, we are on the same page, okay. folks. At, you should definitely read the Gospel of John. <laughs> if Aaron and I are both thinking the same thing, that is the Holy Spirit ding, ding, ding. We need in some working. Sound effects, Here some I go. Fireworks. I'm like filling the gap right here. <laughs> the gap God with like, wow, that was God. I'm feeling his presence right now. We all know Aaron isn't, but it's okay because... Okay, so uh, the Gospel of John. Oh, I love that you answered that. Okay, book. Give me a book. Let's say our book idea. Do you have a book idea in your head? Think, think of your book, and then let's see if it's the same one. It's not going to be the same one, I'm sure. Do you have one? I'm not saying it at the same time as you. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> no. Let's do it. Come on. No, because I don't want... You just tell me your okay, book. I'll I asked the book. questions okay. here. <laughs> um, my book would be... This is going to sound bad, but How to Study Your Bible for All It's Worth. Um, or how to read the Bible for all it's worth. I can't remember the title. It's one of those two. And it's just a book about literally how to study the Bible. And it's so, so helpful. It's extremely practical. It's very, it's designed for a person on the street. It's not like a seminary level book. And what I think if you've got the framework for how to read the Bible, then you can go wherever you want in the Mm. Bible. So I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm uh going to be very vulnerable real quick. I know the book I want to tell people. I just don't remember the title. (laughs) It's something along the lines of how you read the Bible, but Uh I just can't remember the title and I don't want to give people this (laughs) awkward title. And then they look it up and they're like, oh, this is it. And it's like wonky. (laughs) So maybe I'll be able to get that out sooner rather than later. But yeah, we'll, we'll think of the one you like. That's fine. I obviously wasn't sure on my title either. So basically, I don't know. This is where you're taking people's opinions. (laughs) Don't take them too seriously. But 
Yeah, though, that's really good. Um, I like, thank you for making it practical. I think the book of John and something about how to study the Bible, that's the right starting place for somebody who's not sure. And goodness gracious, northridgeequip.com is another great place. If you're a little further down the line, Let's hit you. There are more resources, I promise you, than you have time for. There is as many resources as Aaron has words. And we're going to call it right there, baby. Have a good day, guys. See you later.